Hey, daters. Are you sick of small talk and no date being planned? Well, I'm excited to introduce you to First Rounds on Me, a revolutionary dating app designed for modern singles who are fed up with the frustrations of today's dating scene. The app is all about actually helping you plan dates and build genuine connections. How so? Well, the only way you match with someone is by planning a date. Send a date, a time, and a location, and then the rest is up to you. Ready to go on real dates? You can get one free month of their premium subscription with code DOCTOR, D-O-C-T-O-R. Download First Rounds on Me using the link in the show notes and start building meaningful connections offline. Hello and welcome to Reimagining Love. I'm Dr. Alexandra Solomon. Relationships have the power to wound us and the power to heal us. As a clinical psychologist, author, and professor at Northwestern University, I've devoted my life to studying intimate partnerships and family dynamics. On Reimagining Love, I'm here to translate complex clinical topics into tools and takeaways that you can use in your relationships today. If you're ready to develop relational self-awareness and create vibrant and loving relationships with the people who matter most to you, you've come to the right place. I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome to another episode of Reimagining Love. I am feeling quite confident that today's conversation is going to challenge you and engage you in all of the best ways. That's because my guest expert is tech entrepreneur, Cindy Gallup. In her own words, she says, I don't wait for things to change. I make them change. Cindy is the founder and CEO of Make Love Not Porn, which was launched at TED 2009. Make Love Not Porn's slogan is pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. In 2013, Cindy turned Make Love Not Porn into the world's first user-generated, human-curated social sex video sharing platform, socializing and normalizing sex in order to make it easier to talk about sex and to promote consent, communication, good sexual values, and good sexual behavior. In this episode, Cindy and I discuss the unique platform she's built and all that she has learned along the way. We also answer a great listener question together about communicating sexual needs. You know, I'm aware that some listeners may already be familiar with Make Love Not Porn. And if that's the case, this episode may give you some deeper insights about Cindy's passion and her mission. And this episode may reinforce for you your relationship with the platform. I'm also aware that other listeners may never have heard of Make Love Not Porn. And because our culture is quite polarized about porn, you may come into this episode with some pretty strong ideas about explicit content of any kind. Therefore, I am curious about what you notice within yourself as you listen to our conversation. Does it highlight or shift or reinforce your beliefs and expectations about the role of explicit content, both in your life and in our culture at large? I hope that you are inspired by Cindy and that you enjoy hearing about the revolution that she's leading. Cindy, thank you so much for being here with me. It's an absolute pleasure, Alexandra. I'm delighted. (laughs) 
So, you know, you and I actually finally met just a few months ago, and it's been so fun to start just these little seedlings of collaborations. And I hope that we will just continue to find more and more ways for our paths to cross. But one thing that I need you to understand right off the bat is how deeply I have admired your work for many, many years. Your TED Talks and your infographics, the porn world sex versus real world sex have been part of my Marriage 101 curriculum for years and years. So already before you and I even met, your work through my teaching has impacted the lives of thousands of young people already. So just let's just start there for a moment about how much I admire what you've been doing. Oh my God, Alexandra, I am blown away to hear that and so grateful <laughs> and so pleased because this is exactly how I want to make Love Not Porn and what I do to be used. So I'm, I'm ecstatic to hear that. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Well, all right. So on Reimagining Love, the way that we launch these conversations is that I have a question that I would love to ask you. Are you ready for it? Certainly am. (laughs) So tell me, please, Cindy, what is a growing edge that you are currently working on in one of your important relationships? And what has it been teaching you lately? So I think, Alexandra, just for our listeners' benefit, I should contextualize my personal situation because I'm aware of the fact that how your other guests answer this question is likely to be more specifically related to relationships that I don't have by choice. Just so our audience is aware, I am somebody who has never wanted to be married, has never actually wanted to have children. Very happy I always knew that as opposed to finding out the hard way by having them. I adore being single. (laughs) I cannot wait to die alone. And I date younger men casually and recreationally. And so all of that is just to say that when you ask me that question, I think the close relationship that I'm focused on right now is with my mother. And the reason for that is because my mother is 88 years old and she lives in London. She's a widow. My father died almost three years ago now. And... I have been used pre the pandemic to making sure that I travel to London once every four to six weeks to see her, even for a relatively short space of time, you know, a long weekend or so, because at that age, you really don't know how much longer somebody's going to be around. Then, of course, the pandemic hit and I did not see my mother for one and a half years because I couldn't travel to see her. I couldn't see my three sisters either, all of whom are based in the UK. And so since travel began opening up, I've resumed my schedule of flying to London once every four to six weeks. I'm fully vaccinated. Mm -hmm. I take so many PCR tests around this whole process. And actually, I feel surprisingly safe on the plane between London and New York because everybody who's on that plane has had to show a negative PCR test. I would say the pandemic has made my doing this and my ability to spend time with my mother even more precious. That's the relationship that I'm focused on putting quite a bit of effort into just to spend time with her and care for her as she becomes older and more fragile with age. That's right. I'm so grateful to so much about what you just shared. I can only imagine how much your heart and your mother's heart must have hurt during that year and a half when you were 
separated and what a treat it must be that you've been able to pick up the relationship and continue like your schedule of every four to six weeks. You hop on the plane, you go see her, you're with her, she's with you. That must be a weight off your shoulders. Um, It is. And, you know, I think, again, because she is getting older, we just tell each other we love each other much more frequently than we ever used to do when we were both younger. So that's also really nice. Right. Oh, my mom is 78 and I feel my eyes, you know, filling with tears around just that awareness of like the preciousness of every visit. Like I feel like I hold her a bit longer. I look that much more deeply into her eyes and I just... I I try really hard to not take that moment, like that hug for granted. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The other thing I love about what you're sharing is a wonderful reminder that sexuality and relationships and our journeys through life around partnership get to be the way that we want and need them to be. And that your story is not a less than story. It's not an other than story, but we certainly are socialized in a world in which the predominant thing is that what one ought to want, especially what a woman ought to want, is to grow up and get married and have children. And that that is the quote unquote normal life. And that anything other than that is derivative from and other than and therefore deficient, right? Because we don't ever, you know, I can't think of a single difference where we really value difference. Like the way we look at a wildflower garden and we're like, oh my God, the diversity of these wildflowers is just so beautiful. When we talk about human differences, we invariably turn them into hierarchies and we say, these are the better pathways through life and these are the worst pathways through life. So I am just so glad that where you started us was by locating yourself around a set of choices that you have made and continue to make and make without needing to add caveats and asterisks and all of that. And in fact, it's funny, Alexandra, because I just returned on Wednesday from my last trip to London to spend time with my mother. And my mother is Chinese. And so she comes from that very traditional Asian background and upbringing where for a woman, marriage and children is the be all and the end all. And I have three sisters, all of whom are younger than me, every one of whom is married. Two of them have children and love being mothers. My younger sister, Melanie, like me, has never wanted children. But on this last visit to London, my mother said to me, Cindy, are you happy? And I said, oh, my God, mummy, I am so happy. And I said, and I'm especially happy because I do not have a husband and I do not have children. (laughs) (laughs) But that was reassuring for my mother who... You know, I mean, she's seen me be very happy on my own for many years, but but still at the age of 88 feels a need to double check. And also it's worth highlighting for our audience that it's not not just simply that I feel I haven't missed out on anything, not being married, not having children, is that I genuinely know that I am somebody who is far, far happier without both of those things. And I am honestly one of the happiest people I know. <laughs> I see it. I mean, I see it in your face. I've seen it every one of our conversations. I, you have a radiance about you that is just undeniable. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And I love, you know, I love what you're saying there too about like, right, you're not saying that you haven't missed out on things. As somebody, I've been married to the same man for 23 years, and there are plenty of things that I have missed out on by being on that life track, right? Every single choice we make in our lives forecloses a set of other choices or means that to declare something, to choose something is to let go of something else very often. That's inherent in all of our choices. In in fact, um, I have to tell you also that, so I boarded the plane yesterday to come back to New York and 
I picked up in the lounge a copy of Hello magazine, which is a British magazine that's always full of celebrity weddings and so on. And so I was looking at some lavish wedding of two British celebrities. I've got no idea who either of them are. And it was extremely gushing. It was all about the start of their journey. I actually tweeted this from the plane because I found myself thinking this, that I thought actually there might be people who would appreciate seeing this in social media. And so I tweeted and I said, every so often, when I'm looking at a gushy wedding piece like this, I objectively think I will never have that experience, rapidly followed by, and I don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. That's beautiful. You note the experience and then you remember how you feel about it. Uh Uh-huh. Beautiful. I love it. Well, and here's the thing. There's a, I mean, selfishly, thank God you've been on this journey because otherwise you never would have created Make Love Not Born. And I want my listeners to hear the story because it's one of the best stories ever, which is that you founded this by accident and in order to solve a problem that you were having, that you were like, huh, I can't be the only one having this problem. So please talk to us about the origin story of Make Love Not Porn. Sure. So as you say, Alexandra, um, Make Love Not Porn really was a complete and total accident. So as I've mentioned, I date younger men and the men I date tend to be in their 20s. And so about 13, 14 years ago now, I began realizing through dating younger men that I was encountering an issue that honestly would never have crossed my mind if I had not encountered (laughs) it very intimately and personally. I realized that I was experiencing what happens when two things converge. And I always stress the dual convergence because most people think it's only one thing. Mm -hmm. I realized I was experiencing what happens when today's total freedom of access to hardcore porn online meets our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex. It's when those two factors collide that porn becomes sex education by default in not a good way. Mm-hmm. So I found myself encountering a number of sexual behavioral memes in bed. I went, whoa, mm-hmm. I know where that's coming from. <laughs> I thought, uh-huh. gosh, if I'm experiencing this, other people must be as well. I didn't know that because 13, 14 years ago, nobody was talking about this. Nobody was writing about it. This was me in isolation being a naturally action-oriented person, going, I want to do something about this. So 12 years ago, I put up on No Money this tiny clunky website at makelovenotporn.com that in its original iteration was just words. The construct was, as you've said, porn world versus real world. Here's what happens in the porn world. Mm -hmm. Here's what really happens in the real world. I had the opportunity to launch Make Love Not Porn at TED in 2009. I became the only TED speaker to say the words, come on my face on the TED stage, six times in succession. <laughs> the talk went viral as a result. Uh-huh. And it drove mm-hmm. this extraordinary global response to my tiny website that I had never anticipated. Thousands of people wrote to me from every country in the world, young and old, male and female, straight and gay, pouring their hearts out. And I realized I'd uncovered a huge global social issue. And so I then felt a personal responsibility. I felt I had to take Make Love Not Porn forwards in a way that would make it much more far-reaching, helpful and effective. 
And I also saw an opportunity to do what I believe in very strongly, which is that the future of business is doing good and making money simultaneously. Mm. I saw the opportunity for a big business solution to this huge untapped global need. And I use the word big advisedly, Alexandra, because even then 12 years ago at concept stage, I knew if I wanted to counter the global impact of Porner's default sex ed, I would have to come up with something that at least had the potential one day to be just as mass, just as mainstream, and just as all pervasive in our society as porn currently is. So thinking big right from the get-go. Yeah. And so what I decided to do was, I always emphasize that make love not porn is not anti-porn because the issue isn't porn. The issue is that we don't talk about sex in the real world. If we did, amongst a whole host of other benefits, people would then be able to bring a real-world mindset to the viewing of what is simply performative-produced entertainment. And so our tagline at Make Love Not Porn is pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. And our mission is one thing only, which is to help make it easier for every single person in the world to talk openly and honestly about sex. And to do that in two respects – A, in the public domain, and by that I mean parents to children, teachers to schools, everyone to everyone. Right. But B, and this is the really crucial area, to talk about sex openly and honestly privately in your intimate relationships. And the reason that's so key, and I know in your case, um, you absolutely know all this already, but for the benefit of our listeners, because we don't talk about sex, it is an area of rampant insecurity for every single one of us. We all get vulnerable when we get naked. Sexual egos are very fragile. People therefore find it bizarrely difficult to talk about sex to the people they're actually having it with while they're actually having it. Because in that situation, you are terrified that if you say anything at all about what is going on, if you comment on the action any way at all, you will potentially hurt the other person's feelings You will put them off you. You will derail the encounter. You'll potentially derail the entire relationship. But at the same time, you want to please your partner. You want to make them happy. Everybody wants to be good in bed. Nobody knows exactly what that means. And so you will seize your cues on how to do that from anywhere you can. And if the only cues you've ever seen are in porn, because your parents never talked about sex, because your school didn't teach you, because your friends aren't honest, Those are the cues you're going to take to not very good effect. So given this mission of talk Mm -hmm. about it, I decided very simply to take every dynamic in social media and apply them to this one area no other social network platform will allow in order to socialize sex and to make real world sex and talking about it socially acceptable and therefore ultimately just as socially shareable as anything else we share on. Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter. So nine years ago, my tiny team and I launched the first stage of this vision. And I say first stage because I have a whole roadmap for the future, but I need need to raise the funding to achieve it. But the first stage is makelovenotporn.tv, which is an entirely user-generated, crowdsourced video sharing platform that celebrates real-world sex. So anybody from anywhere in the world can submit to us videos of themselves having real-world sex, but we're very clear what we mean by this. We are not porn. We are not amateur. 
we are building a whole new category on the internet that has never before existed, social sense. <laughs> and so our competition isn't porn, it's Facebook and YouTube, or rather it would be if they allowed you to socially, sexually self-express, which they sadly don't. And so social sex videos on Make Love Not Porn are not about performing for the camera. They are simply about doing what we all already do on every other social platform in every other area of life, which is capture what goes on in the real world spontaneously as it happens in all its funny, messy, glorious, comical, awkward, wonderful humanness. We curate to make sure of that. Very importantly, I designed Make Love Not Porn around what everybody else should have, nobody else did, human curation. Our curators watch every single video submitted from beginning to end before we approve and publish it. There is no self-publishing on Make Love Not Porn. And we have a revenue-sharing business model. Our members pay to subscribe, rent, and stream social sex videos. Half that income goes to our contributors, whom we call our Make Love Not Porn stars. And so we call ourselves the social sex revolution. The revolutionary part is not, in fact, the sex. It's the social. That's right. Our members leave, as you will have seen, the most amazing comments on the videos. Yes. One word that we hear regularly is, this is wholesome. And as you say, that is not a word. Wholesome would not be used to characterize any porn site out there. Whereas real world sex on Make Love Not Porn, I mean, our, our members say, this is joyous, celebratory, life-affirming. Yeah. And one we hear a lot is guilt-free. You know, and, and that is absolutely oh, why... beautiful. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that again is why we're socialising sex, taking the shame, guilt and embarrassment out of all of it. Do you feel like you're at a crossroads in your love life? Maybe you are sick of modern dating or wondering if the person that you're with is your person. Whatever your situation, I have the perfect podcast for you. Dateable. Dateable is your insider's look into modern dating, hosted by Julie Kraftchik and UA Shu. Julie and Yue bring a sense of humor to their insightful explorations of all things dating, turning matches into actual dates, the psychology of relationships, red flags, attachment styles, and so much more. I am proud to have been a guest on their podcast three times. So if you're looking for a great starting point, check out my latest episode with them when you're ready and they're not. I'll put a link at the bottom of the show notes. Wherever you start, this podcast is going to help you feel inspired to date differently and create a love life that works for you. Subscribe to Dateable wherever you get your podcasts. There's something also so permission giving about the range of ages, the range of bodies that that is so often. And as we, as we move into our listener question, I think this will come up maybe as we explore her question especially for vulva-bodied people who've been socialized in the feminine, there is such immense pressure around body, around appearance and around, around body and appearance. And that does not get left, you know, at the bedroom door, right? Those kinds of messages about, am I enough? And how am I looking? And how am I sounding? Am I doing it the right way? Those messages don't, you know, kind of just stay out there. They come into the bedroom with us and really compromise pleasure. And so there's something also about watching content that is so permission giving, where bodies are celebrated, where curves are celebrated, where intimacy and touch in a slow pace is celebrated that is just really um, feels so healing, holds the potential for so much healing. And I, I know you have heard so many stories over the years about people who have really experienced sexual healing by watching the content on your site. 
you're absolutely right, Alexandra. And in fact, I mean, our members have written to us over the years to tell us how much they've experienced sexual healing, even in areas where I must admit, I never thought of this when I concepted Make Love Not Porn, but we hear regularly from survivors of sexual abuse, sexual assault, rape, Mm -hmm. who tell us that Make Love Not Porn helped them reclaim their bodies. It helped them feel able to be sexual again, which is incredible. At a more everyday level, our members write to us and tell us that Watching our celebration of real-world bodies made them feel better about their own bodies. One man wrote and said, my girlfriend and I now feel able to be more open and sensual with each other because you made each of us feel better about our own body. Mm -hmm. And I think what's also important too, because this is something, again, that makes Make Love Not Porn utterly unique, is the reason it's also healing is because popular culture around us militates against this. Everybody's body is desirable because because that body is you. Mm. You are what is wonderful. You are what is loved. You are what is appreciated. Therefore, your body is bloody amazing because it's yours. And so it's hot as hell because your body is the physical manifestation of you. That comes through loud and clear at Make Love Not Porn because our videos celebrate real world emotion, love, intimacy, Mm -hmm. feelings, And that's really important because all around us in popular culture, in movies, TV, Netflix, we see many creative expressions and representations and narratives of relationships, but we never see the actual sets. On Make Love Not Porn, you see the actual sets, but you also see the relationships because in our videos, those two things are indivisible. And when I say you see Mm -hmm. the relationships, I don't just mean that in our coupled, partnered, threesomed, whatever videos, you see healthy relationship dynamics. In our many solo masturbation videos, and we have, as you've seen, many male, female, trans, non-binary make love, not porn stars. Yes. You see in those videos what it's like to have a healthy relationship with yourself. Mm. What it's like to have a healthy relationship with your own sexuality, with your own body, with your own genitals. And that is absolutely healing and transformative. And by the way, not just for our members viewing, but for the Make Love Not Porn stars themselves. Because many of our contributors have never, ever filmed themselves doing anything sexual before ever. They are doing it for us because they believe in our social mission. Mm -hmm. And they tell us that sharing their real world sex on Make Love Not Porn was transformative for them and their relationships. Our solo Make Love Not Porn stars tell us that sharing this incredibly intimate act of masturbation on our platform for complete strangers to watch, that actually made them love themselves more. It enhanced their sexual sense of self, their sexual self-esteem. Couples tell us it transformed their relationship. Because when you decide to film yourselves having sex, you have to talk about it. And when you talk about it, it doesn't matter how long you've been together. The conversation goes places it's never, ever gone before. Couples write and say, we thought we were open. Doing this just took our relationship to a whole new level. The research shows very clearly that couples who can talk about sex enjoy sex more. And so if that becomes the impetus is um, submitting a video, it makes so much sense. I love the idea also that I could imagine for somebody who's very early in their journey with masturbation, with and with our listener question, we're going to get to this. I love the idea of inviting people to just 
go to make love, not porn without any sense of what you're going to do there. I think we have chained in our minds that if I'm watching erotic content, I must masturbate. And we can really unhook those things, right? You could just be on your site with no expectation of what you're going to do once you get there besides just show up as an ethnographer, as an anthropologist with a bit of curiosity, right? And just begin to notice. Um, I love that idea as a as a homework assignment, as a possibility, as a growing edge for somebody where you can engage content and see what shifts happen inside of you, where you don't have to use it as a means to an end, right? It doesn't have to be something that you just simply use to get off. Yep. No, and absolutely. The fascination for people with Make Love Not Porn is everybody wants to know what everybody else is really doing in bed, but nobody does. Until now, when finally we are this unique window onto the funny, messy, wonderful ways we all have sex in the real world, our Make Love Not Porn stars are real people living real lives. And and this is a unique window into their life. And so you get a sense of, you know, not just who they are as an individual or who they are as a couple, but you actually glimpse how they live, where they live. But by the way, I always remember very early on, soon after we launched, a woman wrote to us and said, oh my God, I love this platform. I love these videos. You you know, you're wonderful. Then she said, this is probably going to sound really weird, but one of the things I love about your videos is I love seeing the insides of other people's houses. And and I wrote back and I said, it's not weird (laughs) at all, because actually that is fascinating to me too. These are real world people having sex all over the house. You know, it's on the kitchen floor. It's in the shower. Uh-huh. They're having sex also outdoors. Um, one couple, um, I remember the husband built a new shed in the garden. And to celebrate when he finished it, they had sex on, on top of the shed. You know? and, and, so, and, and so there's this whole additional wonderful dimension of this is a privileged glimpse into people's real world lives. I remember one member left a comment on one couple's videos saying, the fun of this is, you know, I love the way you are together. You clearly have a great relationship. Um, But also I love the fact that, you know, you're like any couple I could meet in the high street, in the market, you know, in the coffee shop, except Uh you've just very kindly invited me into your bedroom to watch you have really hot sex. Very nice of you, I must say. That's very nice. So generous. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) All right, Cindy, I want to talk to you about, I want us to talk to this listener who's written a question from your homeland. She writes in from the UK. Excellent. And here's what she wants some help with. Uh, She writes, I would like to learn how to talk to my future partner, I'm single right now, about my sexual needs. Since I was young, sex was something that no one talked about in my home. I grew up with the belief that sex is not something we talk about. As an adult, I was never able to openly communicate to my partners. I was embarrassed to say what I wanted. I didn't know how to say if I didn't like something. I didn't want to hurt their feelings. How do I talk about sex and overcome the fear of being judged, the fear of what will he think of me? So great question, obviously. And I have three suggestions for our listener. Oh, wonderful. So the first thing I would say is to learn how to talk to somebody else about sex, you have to learn how to talk to yourself about sex. And what I mean by that is great communication about anything comes from a place of comfort with yourself and therefore feeling completely relaxed and able to communicate. And by the way, this this is true of any area in life. You know, I mentioned earlier that make love porn is an accident, but what is no accident is that 
I've spent 35 years working in advertising in the business of communication. I know, therefore, that everything great in life and business is born out of great communication. Sex is no different. And again, obviously, you totally know this as well. Great sex is born out of great communication. But as I say, that starts from being in a place of comfort with yourself as a sexual being. This is why I designed Make Love Not Porn. I would say to this listener, in the first instance, go to Make Love Not Porn and be inspired by our Make Love Not Porn stars who are having a really great relationship with themselves about sex. Because again, with many of our solo Make Love Not Porn stars, they talk about their journey. We have, and and actually this is especially the case with a number of uh, women Make Love Not Porn stars who have submitted solo videos. They have done this because they feel self-conscious about their body. They feel self-conscious about their vulva. They have actually shared themselves on Make Love Not Porn and been so pleased and rejoiced at the appreciation, the comments they get. In the first instance, just get really comfortable with yourself sexually. You know, you might even consider becoming Make Love Not Porn star, but be really happy with yourself and your own sexuality and your own body in the first instance, because that's the best starting point for communication. Then the second suggestion I have is to actually leverage, again, what Make Love Not Porn is all about, because... And we've had a real battle building this business because of the many obstacles that face sex tech ventures. But my vision for Make Love Not Porn was that one day you could be on a first date with somebody and you could call up Make Love Not Porn on your phone and bring up your profile and say, this is who I am sexually. And you should be able to do that because when we date, we talk about all of our likes and dislikes and and our experiences and our career paths and so on. But what we don't do is talk openly and honestly about our sexual values. And Mm -hmm. this is really what Make Love Not Porn is all about because I designed Make Love Not Porn around my own beliefs and philosophies, one of which is that everything in life starts with you and your values. And so I regularly ask people this question, what are your sexual values? And no one can ever answer me because we're not taught to think that way. Mm -hmm. Our parents bring us up to have good manners, a work ethic, sense of responsibility, accountability. Nobody ever brings us up to behave well in bed. Mm-hmm. But they should, because in bed, values like empathy, sensitivity, generosity, mm-hmm. kindness, honesty, respect are as important as those values are in every other area of our lives where we're actively taught to exercise them. And so I recommend to people that when they are getting to know somebody before they have sex with that person, they ask them this question, what are your sexual values? And be very clear, as I have to be with people again, because they're so unused to hearing this, I don't mean sexual proclivities. I don't mean sexual taste. That's right. I mean sexual values. Beautiful. I love that. I love that. Yeah, well, when you have that conversation, that opens the communications channel for where you go from there and when you take it into the bedroom. And then the third thing I would recommend is, and again, this is um, precisely why I designed Make Love Not Porn. I completely understand how difficult people find it to talk about sex. One thing I've learned in 12 years of working on Make Love Not Porn is that everybody is dying to talk about sex. So know that, but many of us need an external prompt. And so that is what Make Love Not Porn is designed to be. And so I recommend to everybody, watch Make Love Not Porn with your partner. Because we are social sex, 
Because, and by the way, everything about our platform is consciously and intentionally designed to normalize sex in the real world, bring it out into the sunlight, you know, take it out of the shadows. You know, one couple said to us, watching your videos made it so easy to talk about our own sex life. Because when we started with your videos, talking about them was just like talking about something we watched on Netflix or on TV. It made it that Mm -hmm. natural and normal and therefore really easy to segue from discussing your videos into talking about what we liked ourselves. And so, you know, my third recommendation is as and when you have a partner, you know, watch Make Love Not Porn together because that will prompt the kind of conversations that will bring you to much greater intimacy and connection, understanding and fit in bed. I love it. Everything you're saying is so important. I love how you started with a relationship with self, right? That was the entire basis of the second book that I wrote, which is called Taking Sexy Back. It is just basically a journey for a woman to take into her own interior to understand the messages that she has downloaded that she never, ever asked for. And our listener is saying that. Our listener is saying, my parents didn't talk about it. I have no... So right, by what basis ought you be able to do this? So of course, she needs and deserves a journey of sex sexual reclamation, like so many of us need and deserve. And so I love that you are inviting her to start with herself. It is so much more intense to be able to communicate with somebody else. And so having that like grounding and footing within her own body, knowing her sensations, feeling at ease in her own skin becomes a foundation then for communication with a, with a partner. And what you're saying about sexual values is vital because she literally cannot do this on her own, right? She could be the best communicator in the land, but if she's partnered with somebody who is defensive, shut down, stuck in patriarchal notions of male leadership and how it ought to be, all the communication in the world isn't going to matter, right? She will need a partner who can communicate with her, right? She can't do this on her own. It needs, It's going to have to be a two-way street. And so I just want to make sure that she has lots and lots of self-compassion, self-compassion that she can't do this on her own, right? She will need to, as you're saying, have ways of assessing a new partner um, and whether that new partner is going to be able to meet her where she wants to be. She, I want her to have a kind of like a declaration that no more subpar sex, no more sex where I can not, I mean, what she's saying is that she has had experiences where she can neither ask for what she wants, nor articulate what she doesn't want, right? Nor stop. And, and that is so common. So many women really do. I mean, that's why there's an orgasm gap, right? The research has found again and again, this significant orgasm gap, especially in heterosexual sexual experiences, that women are at risk of tolerating really, really subpar experiences. So I love that you are inviting her to make as part of the process of getting to know a potential partner, whether it's a potential relationship partner or a purely a a potential sexual partner, that to really normalize and affirm that that ought to be part of the conversation long before they take a shred of clothing off, right? That you're really giving her permission for that. And yeah, that's important. And your third piece about that is what really wonderful sex is about is is that journey of discovery together. She's not going to be able to make this set of like a menu of these are the things I like and these are the things I don't like because on one day that might land, but on another day, her menu of what she's available for or interested in might look very, very different. And so 
I love this idea of it's dynamic, it's unfolding. Perhaps she and her next partner will use Make Love Not Porn as inspiration, as a conversation starter. I love that idea of kind of bringing in an outside resource as a place of discussion and a place of inspiration. And again, you know, Make Love Not Porn is a very reassuring resource because... You know, you will see things on Make Love Not Porn that you will not see anywhere else because we are real world sex, including, you know, we have many role play videos, you know, where couples decide to play out fantasies or threesome. But only on Make Love Not Porn will you see a couple doing a role play where halfway through, one of them goes, you know what, this isn't really doing it for me. And the other one goes, yeah, it's a bit mad. Oh, and they go, let's just have sex. <laughs> And and so it, it, it's very low stake. You can try something and you can find it you don't like it. And that's totally fine. <laughs> that's wonderful. Otherwise, what we're at risk of slipping into is sex as performance. Yep. Sex as performance does not feel good to anybody, right? That sense of I have to do it this way because this is Ooh. how it's supposed to be. Like that supposed to be sense, it crushes the erotic. It chases away orgasms, right? It's very, 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 not that the point of having sex is to have an orgasm, right? We can have one wonderful sexual experiences without orgasm. But certainly, if we would like to entertain the possibility of orgasm, of journeying towards an orgasm, that sense of I am performing is just so off the mark, right? Yeah, absolutely. I also wonder, you know, we don't know a thing about our listeners' cultural context, right? We don't know sort of her, you know, her background or her cultural locations. But in Western Europe, I, I love learning about Western Europe sex education, right? Because they are so far ahead of what we've got going on here in the U.S. and in so many other parts of the world. But, um, you know, she may have layers upon layers of baggage around all the messages she's internalized about who she's allowed to be sexually, right? Um, yep, yeah, no, absolutely. And and again, we hear those stories at Make Love Not Porn. A number of our Make Love Not Porn stars have come from very ultra-religious backgrounds. One um, Make Love Not Porn star couple, We Megiddo style. There are a couple in um, over on the West Coast, and they both grew up in very fundamentalist Christian households. And so they came across Make Love Not Porn in a magazine or somewhere, and they said to each other, we have to do this to overcome the shame imposed on us around sex by our religious upbringings. So they videoed themselves having sex. It was the first time they ever videoed themselves having sex and shared it on Make Love Not Porn because they felt it was something they really needed to do. And, and they loved the whole process and, you know, followed it with, 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 with a whole bunch more videos. Um, another one of our Make Love Not Porn star couples, Andre Lynn, they too came from a very Christian background and th- their marriage suffered as a result. And then they found my TED Talk. They credited with with changing their lives and completely changing their relationship <laughs> with each other that they discovered Make Love Not Porn, decided to become Make Love Not Porn stars. And it has been utterly transformative for their relationship and themselves. And so one man member wrote to us and said, I'm a Muslim. And I really appreciate what you're doing here. It's so important. We are all united by this universal human experience. We are all united, sadly, by the repression and the shame that it's been imbued with. And we are all united in our enormous relief when we find ways to overcome that, which is absolutely what Make Love Not Porn is there to help you do. Absolutely. 
the downstream effects of sexual shame and sexual repression are everything from, you know, emotional pain to violence, right? I mean, the consequences are huge of what happens when we repress and when we shame and we make very rigid categories of who's allowed to be sexual and who's not allowed to be sexual and in what context. All of that work around transforming shame, of flexing kind of our ideas and our beliefs of figuring out what we've inherited and then what we want to leave as our legacy, right? That all of that work is so important around our sexuality. And for people who are parents as well, right? We're in, you know, parents are in such a place of responsibility and opportunity to really go on our own journeys of sexual self-awareness so that then we get to give something different to our children around messaging and beliefs and opportunities than what we were given. So I imagine that you know, that's that's a piece of it as well. Absolutely, Alexandra. And, and in fact, we are thrilled that, you know, a number of our members who are parents tell us that being part of Make Love Not Porn made them feel able to be more open about sex with their children, you know, which is fantastic. Right. Plus, um, we also have a number of parents who've written to us telling us that they have bought subscriptions to Make Love Not Porn for their 18 and over children, because they want them to see what happy, healthy, loving sexual relationships look like. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That ought to be everybody's 18th birthday present. Oh, oh my God, for sure. totally should. <laughs> Absolutely. Cindy, I could go on all afternoon with you. I reserve the right to invite you back again. I would love to have you back on the show. I'm excited about our upcoming projects. We've got some things in the works that we're going to work on developing in the coming months here. And I'm, it's been such a treat to be with you. Um, Alexandra, an absolute joy talking to you. And honestly, Make Love Not Porn is a social experiment. We built this platform, put it out there. We learn every day from what we see on it. And I'm learning myself from the way you bring your professional insights to what we do. And so I'm looking forward to absolutely coming back and collaborating in the future because um, this, as I said, is exactly what I designed Make Love Not Porn to do. And the more that we can help therapists like yourself and your clients and your students, the better. So I'm very, very happy to be having this dialogue. That's right. Oh, and thank you so much to our listener. I, I appreciate this listener question. I know this listener in the UK speaks for so many people. And I hope that the conversation that you and I have had, you know, serves our listener and serves the rest of the audience as well. Cindy, how can people find you? What do you want to share about how people can stay in touch and learn more about what you're up to? Terrific. You can follow me and Make Love Not Porn on Instagram and on Twitter. We are at Cindy Gallup, at Make Love Not Porn on both social channels. You can um, find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook where I'm Cindy.Gallup. And our Facebook page is MLNPTV. We have a podcast called The Social Sex Revolution. So do check that out on Spotify, you know, all of the usual podcast channels. Please, of course, do go to makelovenotporn.tv. Do sign up and support us by becoming a subscriber. Consider becoming a Make Love Not Porn star. And um, please spread the word. Absolutely. Good. Thank you so much, Cindy. So good to be with you. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. Thank you, Cindy, for bringing your passion and your ideas to our show. And thank you so much to the wonderful listener who submitted this question. A link to the platform that Cindy has built, Make Love Not Porn, can be found in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Reimagining Love. Until next time, be well. 
Thank you for listening to our show. Our producer is Elizabeth Vogt. Our editors are Mary Chan and Danelle Cloutier of Organized Sound Productions. Our theme music was composed by Slade Warnkin. Reimagining Love is executive produced by me, Dr. Alexandra Solomon. Do you have a relationship question that you want answered on the show? Visit reimagininglove.com to send in a written or audio question. Questions can be about intimate partnerships, family relationships, friendships, you name it. If you're looking for more love and relationship content, you can find me on Instagram at dr.alexandra.solomon or visit my website, dralexandrasolomon.com, where you'll find my blog as well as the Intimate Relationships 101 e-course based off of the popular class I teach at Northwestern University. Thank you for listening and see you next week here on Reimagining Love.